Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Xbel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Yves Lemperriere of Capital Fund Management, a Paris-based hedge fund. In our conversation, Eve and I discuss the relationship between physics and quant investing, why Paris is such a hotspot for hedge funds these days, and CFM's evolving usage of data. In other news, I will be co-hosting the Hackathon at Eagle Alpha's New York event on April the 6th. I hope to meet many listeners there. So in this episode, I'm joined by Yves Lemperriere of Capital Fund Management. Um, thank you very much for joining us today, Yves. My pleasure to be here. Um, Yves, you are, so uh, you work for Capital Fund Management, which is which is a, a large established hedge fund. Um, why don't we begin, why don't, why don't we begin by if you could just uh, paint a, a tiny pen portrait of Capital Fund Management for anyone who, who's not familiar with, with, the, sure. with the fund. Yeah, no problem. So we are a, uh, we are a Paris-based hedge fund. Uh, we manage a bit south of uh, nine billion in assets firm-wide. Uh, essentially, we are a, we are a quant shop. Uh, so I mean, we run uh, black box systems. Uh, we mostly focus on stocks and futures, and I would say we. We consider a range of time scales going from uh, a few a few hours to a few months, typically. So that's quite a quite a broad range of time scales. Mm. Uh, and we, in terms of asset classes, we focus on futures and stocks and a little bit of options trading as well. But really, mostly vanilla electronic uh, options trading. And how many people? Uh, we're a bit south of 250 people at the moment. Mm. And you're based in Paris, which is seems to me to be a, a thing of the moment, um, because it, it strikes me that so many um, of the kind of large US funds, and, and there seems to be a lot of activity of of um, hedge funds opening up offices and, and, and branches in, in Paris. Do you Do you see that as being a kind of a thing of the moment? Um, is it a is it a Brexit thing? Do you know, do you do you have a view on that? Uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, it's definitely a thing of the moment. This is true. Uh, I mean, that there are more and more uh, uh, competitors joining in, in, in Paris, probably because uh, the, 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 there's a big, real race for talent. And it's true, Paris was relatively untapped by uh, big companies, uh, which is, I mean, which is also kind of one of the reasons why we've also uh, opened offices in, in other countries. So we have an office in London, we have an office in New York with uh, research uh, uh, staff uh, over there uh, to really try and diversify our pools of recruitment. This being said, to be honest, I think what we offer at the moment in Paris is still fairly, uh, I mean, fairly unique because at CFM we really have uh, a really strong collaborative culture, research-oriented, which is probably a bit different from what most of our competitors currently offer on the on the Paris place. Mm, okay. Um, and so you are the head of research, uh, Alpha Strategies. Um, you, you're, you're, a, you're a 
CFM lifer, um, having been there since uh, since November two thousand and three, um, and before that, you were a PhD in physics. There's a bit of a bit of a physics thing going on with 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 capital fund management, isn't there? Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. We have a strong physicist streak in our uh, DNA. Uh, that probably comes from one of our uh, founders, Jean-Philippe Bouchot, who was uh, a statistical physicist at the, the, the CEA, I mean, a, a big uh, national research agency uh, originally. And he, he was really doing statistical physics. And then he realized that a lot of ideas could be applied to finance. So he started, like many people, to, to work on option pricing and things like that. And then, I mean, he spent a lot of time describing microphysics uh, of the of the of the market. So you know the the really microstructure uh, way of how traders interact at the tick data level. And here, because you have many um, uh, many different actors, right, thousands or even millions of of uh, incoming uh, information, the concepts of statistical physics actually become very relevant, which is the way to find. Uh, aggregating uh, relevant aggregating quantities uh, based on, I mean, that describe the interaction of a big number of, of players, actually. So, I mean, we've been doing a lot of, of that. And I think CFM is still pretty much cutting edge when it comes to microstructure or, uh, I mean, uh, modeling of, of, uh, of agents uh, on, the, on the marketplace. Uh, of course, uh, also, it's quite, I mean, having a strong statistical background is quite interesting when it comes to dealing with uh, time series filtering or uh, data science, etc. I mean, a lot of it is really originated from, uh, from statistical concepts. Okay. Uh, so we've been continuing uh, this, I mean, recruiting in this, in this, uh, in this pool of talent. And I think, yeah, that gives us a bit of a of a of a strong internal culture. Uh, we really are physicists, which means that we're not mathematicians. So we really, I mean, we don't live in the world of formula. Okay, we really want to test whether or not something works. Uh, does a model work? Does a model uh, not fit the data? Uh, we really are very much data driven, and I think that comes from our physics background. Uh, would you would you think the fact that you're this physics background, as you say, it's incredibly strong statistical grounding, and it and it's you know physics is essentially the study of the forces that drive the world, um, and so you're uh, presumably you're all two hundred of you are uh, are looking at the market and trying to find the forces and um, and and seeing it as kind of like the matrix, you're seeing it all as numbers and 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 seeing it and and seeing it that way, and so would you? suggest that that really lends itself to um, being a, a quant fund and, and being kind of where that like that kind of systematic approach and perhaps the I don't know would, would you think that a fundamental a fundamental house might be more looking towards business graduates because they've got that kind of commercial sense and putting that first and foremost would you would you would you generalize like that yeah I think it's I I mean that's my feeling. I mean, then again, I've never worked in a in a more uh, investment banking or, or a, a fundamental uh, business. But yeah, I mean, I I do think that being a physicist, it's very easy to uh, to deal with uh, time series and numbers and really view a company as a set of of data, if you want. Okay, uh, I really don't have a, a deep understanding of uh, the business of some companies, as uh, fundamental analysts do. 
then again, I know I have a, a set of data. I can extract sentiments out of text, right? Which is not something that that, uh, that a fundamental analyst would do. He would just read a text and mm. probably do some sort of, of sentiment extraction in his own mind. Uh, but I don't do that. And actually, I think... I mean, when I started, I thought we were so superior, you know, I mean, with the best. And <laughs> actually, uh, uh, I, I have spoken with many people uh, that come from, from a more economic background. And I, I really think there's added value in this, in, this, uh, in this approach, too. So I think at the moment, one of the things we're trying to do at CFM is really trying to find some sort of a middle ground, if you want. OK, I mean, you uh, currently we trade 6000 stocks and for us. Uh, I mean, that's that's perfectly normal because we're quant. So you can define price-based signals on 6,000 stocks, like mean reversion or trend following. That's very easy to define that on 6,000 stocks. And actually, the, the, the more the merrier, I would say. Uh, the mm. more stocks, the more likely you are to have a statistically significant signal. And therefore, we're, uh, we're happier. Uh, then again, if you're a fundamental, you're not at all viewing things uh, from this perspective. You're a lot more... Uh, focusing on, I don't know, maybe five, 10 companies and trying to really understand very deep down the, 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 the business and the, the, the business model. Uh, what could make this company successful? How can I, I mean, is it going to succeed or not? And I think what we're trying to find now is maybe trying to find some sort of a middle ground, which is to say, okay, maybe it is wrong to, 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 to consider a mining company the same way we consider an insurance company, for example. Okay, so, I mean, from a price-based perspective, maybe it is right. But if you want to do a fundamental analysis, that's probably a bit of a stupid thing to do. Uh, mm. But then again, uh, I, mean, for, I mean, I still need something as a quant that is uh, somehow back-testable or at least uh, data-driven, okay? So just, I mean, for, I mean finding a, a middle ground and maybe focusing on one given sector and here trying to use the fundamental knowledge of economists or analysts to really understand what are the key performing indicators, what are the relevant KPIs, and then using data to forecast those KPIs and backtest the forecast of those KPIs and say, okay, now I know I can I can forecast, I don't know, the, the, the loading factors for airlines, and I know that's an important KPI. So maybe I can I can build a model based on that that will allow me to predict airline companies. So it's really getting more focused and having a little, I mean, getting some tools from the fundamental analysis toolkit uh, and applying mm. them in a in a in a quant way, and equally they're going quantum mental, aren't they? This kind of um, trying to bring quantum mental approaches to fundamental problems. So there's a kind of meeting in the middle. I was going to ask, who do you think the future belongs to? You know, the quants or the or the fundamentals, or is it or is it or does it end up in the middle? Or is there plenty of market for for everyone? I I think there's. I mean, honestly, I. <laughs> It's a good question. I, I really think that's the future for us, definitely, and I'm 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 fighting for that. Uh, I think that's the future for everyone, to be honest. I mean, that's my that's my current uh, viewpoint. But yeah, I, I really think we can learn a lot by by trying to get a middle ground, essentially. So I mean, you mentioned the word quantum mental, and yeah, I mean, I think especially you know with all the I mean, we talk about data. So I mean, I really think this is a very big push for having a bit more of a fundamental approach because that it really tells you how to use some data sets okay which if you just are a, are a quant and you just see it as as feature uh, in a big machine learning algorithm 
I don't really think we are we're there yet. Okay, I don't really think uh, AI is 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 good enough that you could just uh, blindly crunch anything and and get something valid as an outcome. Okay, excellent. Okay, well that's a really good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, so um, Eve. We are, as you say, here to talk about data, specifically alternative data. Um, you, as I say, have been at, at CFM for, um, for for almost twenty years now. Um, where does how does data how does um, the the company and your relationship with data develop over those over those twenty years? Okay, that's an interesting because uh, that's an interesting question because there really was a development actually when I I started. I think we were very much price-based driven mm -hmm. um, and uh, that is uh, that was true I started I, I joined in the in the notice in 2003 and that was very true for quite some time actually and then in the 2010s as you know there was this this data revolution and then obviously we started to realize that we need to go i mean just just, just to, to begin when you say price based then we're literally saying every time the price has gone up and down in this way um it has meant that it's going to go up next or, or is it that kind of thing is it literally just just trying to track the prices and, and extract trends from when the prices do this then then the, then the next thing it does is that type thing Exactly. I mean, that, that's one way to, I mean, that, that's one typical model. So either trend or mean reversion, you could do some stuff. I mean, some filtering, which is more sophisticating. You can try to fit, uh, I don't know, a Fourier transform wavelets, whatever, on your price uh, patterns and extract uh, features. So, I mean, you, you, you could be more or less sophisticated, but basically what I mean is that the input of your signal is the time series of the price of the instruments that you trade. And you, I mean, you use that to define uh, with more or less uh, skill uh, predictors for uh, the next the next price. Fantastic. So then the 2010s arrive, and then uh, all sorts of different kinds of data arrive. When did you first become familiar with or, or aware of what we now call alternative data? Uh, that's a good. I mean, we we started in 2010 uh, to work on satellite data for mm. uh, for futures for uh, for uh, energy and and uh, forecasting uh, crop yields for uh, for grains. Uh, so I mean, we didn't know at the time that we were dabbing in alternative data. I think that, that the expression was not coined yet, mm. but uh, that was when we first started this. Uh, then. Just so satellite, that's often the case um, for, and was it for commodities outputs? It's, it often seems to be satellite data for commodities yes. is, yeah, is, yeah, an, is an entry much, point. As I said, it was really energy and, and grains that we were uh, predicting yeah. using those. And we've been, I mean, we're still working on it, actually. So that's, I mean, it's uh, a decade uh, after. Uh, mm. It's still quite interesting. And there's always things to do because it kind of, uh, I think also one interesting thing that I realized is that uh, the development of data has also grown with the development of technology. And essentially, when we first started to uh, look at this satellite data, it was pretty heavy and we were working in C and it was very actually difficult to do any sophisticated learning. So we, we hard coded a lot of things like the crop calendars or the masks that, we, uh, that, that focus on the relevant regions, etc., uh, and actually, now it's true that with the advent of, well, I mean, you know, uh, Python, Scikit-Learn, uh, all the, I mean, all the tools that that, that mm. are at our disposal, it's actually a lot easier to do something that really 
adapts a lot more smoothly to the changing of data and really is a lot more, uh, I mean, a lot less overfitted, I would hope. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then the trouble is that everyone else has these new tools as well. Course, so it's yes. then harder to differentiate yourself. And so, okay, so we begin in um, in commodities and, 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 and satellite imagery. How what What's the next step? I think the next step was really in the, on the stock space because uh, what we've seen at CFM is that I think the alternative data markets really started to, 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 to burst on the more on the equity space. And then recently we really started to see some really interesting data providers on the on the macro space as well uh but yeah i mean i really think there was i mean the offering was was uh mature a little bit earlier on the um, on the stock space so here i mean you really have a whole zoo of uh possible things so the the, the big names were of course credit card and geolocalization there uh, that were very important topics uh, we also invested quite a lot on natural language processing so that we are we were able to analyze different news feeds uh, I mean social media that sort of things uh, that's also very important so and and here as well you know you really see the fact that uh, it re you have the data and you need to have the techniques to pass the data to analyze the data and to understand it it's true for credit card data because you need cloud technology to be able to process the gazillions of lines of transactions that that mm. that, that we have uh, you need uh, you need nlp techniques okay so i mean it can be fairly simple it can be rule based it can be a uh, bird type uh, neural network which is tremendously complex object uh, so all of that means that you have the data and then you have the technology that you are able to apply to the data to extract the features because once again, the, the way we see that is as quants, we really see the data as a raw material and then we have to apply some techniques that would quantify it and that would give us some features that we can then try and use as, 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 as predictors or in, in, in any, any fitting. There are there are a lot of there are, there are increasing numbers. Well, there there have been for a while of NLP data providers, so companies that have kind of done it for you and and uh, and done the NLP and and sell that signal. Do you prefer to buy the raw data and do the do the NLP yourself, or have you have you kind of because the market's providing it, then you moved on as well? Well, that, that, that's a real fundamental question, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we do prefer to do our own NLP, of course. Uh, then again, ideally, I'd like to do everything in-house, okay? I mean, mm. just give me the raw data and I would like to have the capacity to do everything in-house. Then again, it just so happens that we're 250, so we can't do everything in-house. So some of it has to be, uh, yeah, has, I mean, we have to outsource a little bit. So we realized that on one specific uh, uh type of text yeah we we found some providers that really have some edge compared to what we can do internally so mm. i mean we we do both because both techniques have residual uh, value with respect to each other uh ideally i would like to i mean i would like to spend more resources focusing on this type of text specifically but there's so much thing i mean that there's so much out there that that we would like to do that i probably won't have the resources to do it uh, anytime soon so we'll stick to those providers. The problem we see with sticking to providers that give you something already uh, uh, transformed into a signal is that obviously they sell that not just to us, but to many other people, okay? So mm. uh, you always have, a, I mean, it's dangerous to, uh, to, 
to do that because of crowding issues. So we are actually extremely careful and extremely worried about uh, watching for crowding signs if we believe that we haven't transformed uh, a data enough so that uh, not everybody else is able to do the same thing, okay? I mean, there's, there's the data and there's the added value that we can add internally by transforming the data into a feature. Exactly. And this, I mean, this is the way I'm kind of picturing it, is that back in back in those days, then you were potentially doing more sophisticated NLP work than anyone, any of the providers were doing. And so that was that gave you an edge. Whereas while as the market matured and became more sophisticated itself, then the baseline, which was available on the market, rose. And so presumably in your shoes, you're you're having to find the new transformations that you can do on top of that data, which is where where the money is made, essentially, because uh, in theory, everyone else can buy that same transformed data, that NLP data, um, so that spending your time doing the same thing isn't going to add so much add so much value. No, exactly. And we have to be, I mean, we have to be extremely, I mean, aggressive in exploring new techniques and changing things. And as I say, really also monitoring for signs of crowding in any strategy, because the market moves so fast those days. I mean, it's, it's very, uh, it's very, I mean, it's, it's, it's very unnerving. Then again, I mean, I really think this is also maybe one area where uh, at CFM, you know, it it's good that we we have really resources and we're, we're very collaborative. So it's not just like two people in a pod working on this problem. We really have a, a team of people and they've been given time uh, and resources to, to work on this, both people and, and IT uh, hardware resources. And yeah, I, I think this is maybe one area where we could have an edge as well is the fact that because of this collaborative culture, as I said, we started this NLP experience on stocks, but now we're pushing it on the future side, extracting macro sentiment, etc. And we're benefiting from everything we've learned on the stock side, actually. And I think this is something we would not have done if we were just a directional shop, like a, a future shop. So there is probably added value in that, too. Do you do you have to stay very close to um, or do you do you like to stay very close to the kind of academic literature on things like NLP? You mentioned Bert. Um, isn't there a, is there another Sesame Sesame Street character who's was it? I can't remember if if. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Ernie and Bert. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, but the um, the latest uh, NLP literature, for example, in kind of what the what the what the universities are throwing out is that part of your role to to stay in order to stay at the cutting edge of technology are you having are you staying very close to those conferences or would you would you see yourselves as being a kind of alternative center of of technological research and potentially you know things that the people in the universities don't and um, you know eventually everyone else will catch up i think it is very important that we stay very close to uh, academic research especially in these area where Really, I mean, it's not just universities. It's also the fact that Google and Facebook and the big, I mean, the big names in this area are publishing a lot and they're really driving the research to new frontiers. And we have to stay close to that uh, very much so. So I, I do believe that, yeah, I mean, we, 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 have to, uh, we have to read that literature. We have to be involved in those conferences, etc. So we, we do go there. It's true. It's something that comes in rather easily because, as I said, we all have a pretty strong academic background anyway, mm. and we've been 
staying close to uh, research on statistical, uh, well, not statistical physics anymore, but uh, neural network as well is really a big problem. And you know, a lot of statistical physicists are trying to understand uh, neural network from a, uh, from a physicist perspective. Why does it work? How can you get these millions of parameters that magically converge to give you some real predicting power, etc.? And it's it is a real, uh, I mean, it, it is a really beautiful question to be really honest with you. So, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think, I think we all have a, a, an academic curiosity at heart. So that's definitely uh, fairly natural for us to, uh, to, to stick close to this literature. I'm going to, I'm going to risk it. When does, when, when will the new, what, what's the measure of a neural network becoming conscious? Oh gosh! <laughs> uh, that will take some time still. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic. You know, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger can 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 die in peace. I mean, I think it's he. he we won't have Terminators anytime soon. I think. Don't, okay. don't worry. <laughs> okay, jolly good. So. Um, you touched on the fact that you've that there's been some interesting um, macro data which has entered the market recently, or, or data which has been more useful towards towards macro um, investment. What kind of what kinds of data are you talking about in kind of broad terms? Well, anything that really allows us to uh, forecast uh, micro variables such as unemployment, such as retail sales, such as Inflation now is a very big topic, of course. So, I mean, you know, there, there's been a lot of, of buzz a few years ago about the billion price project, but that's actually a pretty nice tool, for example. Uh, and it's really mm. doing some web scraping, web scraping to, to, to gather prices. You have to be disciplined. You have to do it the proper way. You have to find cohorts that are fairly stable. I mean, there's lots of biases. That's definitely one, one of the pitfalls of alternative data is that it's very easy to get biases. And since you don't have a complete control of the whole process you have to be i mean you have to really grill your, your providers and you have to be really wary of this but if it's done carefully it's i mean yeah i mean i i i think there are great ways to aggregate information and and predict macro variables uh right. using that actually we've been talking about it, cap data and i mean that's definitely one area where we can uh, do some interesting aggregates as well, for example. Is it is it the difference essentially that the alternative data is now developed so much that you can get the coverage? So actually, it's all the same data, but now you can get the same credit card data potentially for the whole of Europe type thing, and so then you can aggregate it up, and then you can look at how Europe's doing and try and get ahead of you know GDP figures or whatever. Um, is it is it that? Do you think it's the fact that the um, just the just the coverage of data has improved so much? Well, I think that's the coverage because as you say, yeah, if you just have US, I mean, US is great. Don't misunderstand me. And having US data is, is obviously the first thing you want to do. But then if you can try it on other countries, definitely it adds to statistical significance because once again, uh, that's what we're aiming for. Okay. We were aiming at having back tests uh, that are reasonably significant or at least tell us that, that we're on the, on the right track. And if you just have one country, it's very unlikely that you're going to get statistical significance. So if you could add three or four different countries and then you try to see, OK, it seems to work equally well on three or four countries that, I mean, your significance goes up by a factor of two, uh, which is already pretty, pretty, pretty good. There's also the fact that on stocks, actually, it's it's fairly easy to get relatively high sharp ratios, OK, which is signal to noise ratio, if you want. So uh, I think that's why also on stocks with very small history, uh, you could get some signal on futures. Maybe it took us a little bit longer because 
sharp ratios are a little bit lower, uh, which means, yeah, it's difficult to judge anything on two years or three years of history. Uh, I, need, I need a bit more. And therefore, I think now we have also, I mean, that is something that is well understood. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we, we also have the, a little bit more historical depth, uh, which also gives us more confidence. So both coverage in breadth and, and, and in depth has really improved. And that gives us uh, uh, a lot more uh, confidence in the, in the, in the macro, macro uh, forecasting, which is, which, is, which is really good, actually. We've seen some really good results on, on that. Does that really complement, do, do does that play into your um, micro forecasting as well in terms of if you've got, a, if you've got an accurate view of what the economic climate is going to look like in however many days or weeks, um, then you can then play that into your, um, you know, then you can start picking the winners and losers in, in such, a, such a surroundings type thing. If, you've, if, if you know what inflation might be, then you can say, well, these, these stocks will be benefited and these, yeah. will be, these will be hit by it. So you can start making inferences. Very much so. I mean, you know, I, 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 I could hire you actually. Yeah, that, that's a, that's very, that's very much. Uh, no, that that, that is de- definitely one one way to leverage these uh, these macro uh, features. Actually, I mean, yeah. you could trade futures, and we do trade futures. But the problem is that, uh, as you say, if you have, I mean, if you have a forecast on inflation, then bonds are going to react to that in a jiffy. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's very straightforward to trade bonds based on inflation, and people do that. And we do that uh, very regularly. Then if I'm able to devise uh, a stock basket that is sensitive to inflation, and for that you have to be, I mean, you have to be one step cleverer than, than just trading bonds, if you want, uh, then that gives you, that can definitely give you an edge. And the, the good thing is that the information does not necessarily percolate uh, equally fast on those stocks than it does on the bond market. Uh, and therefore, it can give you a bit more capacity. It can give you something which is a bit decorrelated. So it is probably, yeah, it, it is definitely having this sort of, of top-down view on stock on, on, on stock baskets. That's definitely mm. one one area where we are uh, we are leveraging the, the macro forecast. Does this make you doesn't it, does it make you nervous though? Because it strikes me that you're building more complex things and you're building higher towers built on on assumptions which you know if you if you've got one thing wrong and then you've then you've uh planned your investment environment for however however far in the future you're doing and if you got that first thing wrong then potentially all those trades that you're building off the back of it could be could be suspect as well okay i mean i'm not a nervous guy i mean to start with (laughs) i mean i i don't get nervous too easily but uh you know that's 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 the job that's what courts do. That, that's that's the job. Exactly. I mean, we, we have we have to, we, we have to take risk, and it's normal. And sometimes, yeah, it doesn't work, and that's yeah, that's that's that. It's a bad day. But that that that's life. And yeah. also, you know that that's why we we have hundreds of different predictors like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that that is why if one predictor is wrong, and and presumably one predictor will be wrong. That's that happens uh, unfortunately every day. Uh, yeah, other predictors will be right, and overall, we expect to make a, to make a profit. Yeah. That is. Speaking of speaking of risk of of something going wrong, um, how is the have you has has there been a change in the reliability of of data sets that you get from alternative data providers over the over the I don't know when you would begin it, but let's say let's say ten years. Um, has there been have you have you noticed an increase in the sophistication and reliability of, of of the data that you're receiving, or has it always been quite good, or is it or has it always been quite bad? 
Uh, okay, I mean, I don't want to hurt any feelings here. <laughs> that's a difficult question to answer, of course. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think it really changes from the uh, the type of providers that you're talking to. If you're talking to the, the Bloombergs of the world, you can expect a certain level of service. Uh, and also, I mean, obviously, we have a, a partnership with these providers that goes uh, quite, I mean, uh, quite, a, quite a long way. So... Okay, that's usually that they know that they're used to working with quants. Uh, that is pretty clear. So uh, that they, they, they kind of have a, uh, an idea of the level of 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 data service that that we expect, and and that makes things easier for sure. Then, I mean, if you turn to really niche data providers that are not at all used to working with quants. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's a lot mm. more difficult both for us and for them. I mean, I don't, I don't. Uh, I don't uh, neglect that as well. Uh, if you have been working to, I mean, sending an email every day or every week, and now all of a sudden you have a quant firm that asks you for uh, an automated process, etc., with a lot of data uh, inside and an API, yeah, we are having difficulties working with with uh, data providers that, that are not used to that, and that is normal. So sometimes we find, uh, I mean, we, we manage to work through this these difficulties together. Uh, sometimes we don't. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I've seen data that it it's already happened once or twice that we have found some value in the data, but we were just not able to get uh, the data in sufficiently good quality to to push it to production. So we had to we had to stop the uh, the collaboration. Mm. What's your What's your geographical focus? Are you US focused, or in terms of your investment, or are you global, or where Where do you Where do you end? Uh, very global, I would say. Uh, I think we still have a lot of our weight in US and Europe, uh, but we also trade Asia, both on the stocks and futures side. So no, I mean we we are very much very much global. How much do you How useful do you find alternative data in Europe and Asia? Uh, well, quite to be honest. I mean, honestly. In Asia, we are a little bit weak on that. That's something we need to we need to push. Uh, but in Europe, very much. And you you would see European data as being the same quality as the as the US in terms of what's being provided. Uh, in terms of quality, yes. Then in terms of diversity, etc. You know that uh, some data is not. I mean, because of GDPR, obviously we have some some restrictions on what yeah. data providers can provide on European consumers. Uh, so yeah, the, the, there are some some uh, some restrictions. Uh, so we don't have exactly the same the same coverage. I mean, the same information content in in European data than in in, in American data. But that's that's just because of regulation. And apparently, Americans are also considering some sort of GDPR of their own. So I don't know what's mm. happening on this front. Yeah, so it's good training actually trading in Europe because then you um, then you're ready for the for the changes in the US. Um, what do the do you feel that Europe is is less competitive than the US in terms of if you've got a data set then um, you know you've perhaps got it you've got more of an edge over the rest of the market than than in the US where alternative data is, has been around for longer and is perhaps more more mature as a market. Uh, that's possible. I mean, honestly, I, I, I would have said uh, that a year ago, maybe now, uh, not any longer. Uh, mm. I think Europe has caught up uh, to some extent with the US. It's still true that clearly that I mean, the, 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 the beating heart of, of that is, is the US. Okay, the beating heart of alternative data is probably the US market where you really have everything. Mm. Uh, but I think Europe is catching up pretty quickly when it's legal, obviously. <laughs> 
which is a big if. Sure. Um, where, where would you like to see alternative data coverage increase? Uh, I think, honestly, I do think we should focus on Asia because I really think, yeah, Asia may well be the new Europe uh, when it comes to that. So I think we have to make a push for that. It is difficult because, I mean, there's, there's the language that doesn't help, for example. Uh, when we want to do NLP, obviously, there's completely new uh, rules to learn. And also, I mean, it's it's pretty niche as well. Uh, but I mean, you know the you know the saying, right? No pain, no gain. So absolutely, that's where the that's where the money is made. Exactly, that, exactly. That's where the money is made. I mean, there's no free lunch. At some point, you have to work hard. For sure, for sure. Um, what would you? Who would you ideally like to be listening to this podcast and reaching out to you afterwards? If anyone, would you like to be receiving data sets? Would you like to be receiving um, uh, CVs? Like, what's the what's the what's the hope from your side? Okay. Uh, well, high hopes, of course. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, everything. apart from apart from personal fame, of course. Of, naturally, yeah. Glory <laughs> is always is always high on my list, but. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, definitely having CVs from people who are, yeah, who have a background in that data science, that's always handy. And we are definitely uh, uh, hiring at the moment. So that, that's, that's very good. In all offices? In, in New York and Paris. Okay. New York and Paris. Uh, yeah, having, having providers. I mean, we, we are constantly open to new providers. Uh, we talk to probably uh, 100 or so new providers every year. So yeah, I mean, we, we are definitely open to... Uh, to uh, interesting uh interesting data sets and uh of course uh we need to prioritize things as i said we we haven't got infinite resources but definitely having a conversation and getting to to gauge the uh the potential of a data set is something that that we do routinely so uh yeah i'd be very interested in, in having having feedbacks on that would you say interesting data sets for you have something in common um is there is there a thing that you tend to like in a data set uh we already touched a little bit upon that, but I really like a data set that does not look like a predictor. So mm. I really like a data set where I have the feeling we can add value if you want. Mm. Uh, if it's just too close to, okay, I've, 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 if the provider has, has fitted that to predict uh, uh, the return of the stocks or something like that, okay, that's my job. Sorry. I mean, that, that's, I, 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 it's not that I don't trust those people, but it, I know it's tremendously difficult and I don't want to outsource this part of the business, essentially. Mm. So I really, I really would say uh, stick to what you know, curate your data, treat your data, do that in a point in time way so that we quants can find, I mean, can run backtests that are sensible backtests. And, and then, yeah, I mean, we can have a conversation and we we can judge if we believe it has potential or not but uh ju just just trying to 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 provide us with a with a predictor uh already made is i mean usually does not does not cut cut it for us fantastic that's very clear that's really useful and really interesting so um so eve uh, thank you so much for 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 joining today and um and 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 talking really enjoyed it and um and yeah best of luck in 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 the next 20 years Excellent. Thanks for, thanks for the conversation and, uh, well, have a good day. You too.